And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. Thank you again to Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, always making us sound so good. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am the super producer. I am Bill, joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant. He is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts. He is Justin Juice Cannon. Boom. Boom. Baby. Juice, for those of you who do not know, you were at Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas for the Double or Nothing weekend. I know you went to plenty of shows, not only just the AEW run shows and Fan Fest, but also to a lot of other indie shows around the Vegas area this weekend. So I know we want to take some time to run it down and talk about the weekend. So Let's start wherever you want to. Yeah, I'll start from the top. My wrestling little vacation started on Wednesday with Dynamite. I was sick, had pretty, I got tickets pretty last second. They were like $21 including fees, which was dope. It was like four rows up, not including the four. Like there's the four seats and it's like the fourth, fourth row. And then pretty good seats. Uh, it was a pretty good show. You got the, the Kyle Riley versus Samoa Joe main event in. Uh, the crowd was into it all. Oh, it was a pretty like tight like uh, venue. Most surprising thing about the show wasn't even the show. It was like on the way to the show. So I, I took an Uber over and I'm walking through the Mandel- Mandalay Bay Convention Center area on the way to Dynamite McLeod Ultra Arena. And I see two people with like lanyards and some like via- credentials. Yeah, credentials. I just couldn't think of the word uh, around, and they're escorting someone, and someone really short. And I look, the person's wearing a mask. It's Rey Mysterio. I'm like, that can't be Rey Mysterio. That has to be like cosplay, right? I'm like, nah, like those tattoos look real. The dude with the goatee. So instantly, I just go to my phone. I'm like, maybe I can see in Twitter. Maybe you like in Vegas or something. And yeah, he was in for a convention. So convention like a. Uh, that's in Mandalay Bay, the same day as Dynamite. And also something they said, like I didn't hear him talk, but I heard um some lady was talking. Well, I heard him like talking to Ant, but one thing that caught my ear was the lady that was escorting him was like, Oh, are you after this you have to catch a flight right to Mexico City right away, right? And also on his Twitter was going to Mexico City for another like convention the day after. So I'm like, Yeah, it's one hundred percent mysterious. That's kind of like, wow, I just randomly see uh, Rey Mysterio walking through the halls of Mandalay Bay. And that's not the only wrestler I saw walking through the halls of Mandalay Bay that weekend. There was a few others, too. But I'll get to that. So Dynamite was a good show. It kicked off the weekend. Got to talk to some wrestling fans. I love, like, you know, like, you can just talk to wrestling fans, strangers. Like, you're just buddies and just, like, I don't know, it's chill. And it made it a little easier going to shows by myself since, you know, I'm new to Vegas. And then Thursday, I decided uh, was the first by indie shows. It was FSW, and I got to see a familiar face. Anthony Green was on the card, and Anthony Green was a heel. Of, co- of course, he's you know a visiting from promotion, and I'm the only person in the crowd rooting for him in his match. And he had a title match against uh, FSW's No Limits champ, Jay Vidal. He's very good. Jay Vidal's a really great wrestler. Usually, I root for him, but not this weekend. Uh, not any of his matches for some reason, because most of his matches were against Anthony Green involvement or just someone that I just liked a little bit more. But yeah, so this match, I'm the only one room for Anthony Green. FSW is pretty like small arena, so like everyone can clearly clearly hear me. And uh, there's five people like huge Jay Vidal, Vidal fans right next to me, and they're they're chanting "Go home," not at Anthony Green, but me. <laughs> I'm for Anthony Green. So I got pretty wild. I also was rooting for uh, 
Bridget Holiday on that card too. And also, uh, FSW records it and they put um, all the shows on their like website. And Richard Holiday, I'm like bowing down to Richard Holiday. I like Richard Holiday. He's, he's probably my favorite MLW guy. Um, he's a New England guy too. And uh, I'm like bowing down to Richard Holiday, brings the cameraman and points at the V and he's like, that's what you gotta do. <laughs> I knows what's up. So that was funny. Uh, it was a fun show and it was a really good kickoff. Um, I definitely recommend people go over to FSW and watch it. It's on their like, it's like their cheapest thing is $6 per month. Some and they put some of their matches on YouTube too. And uh, the match of the night was Gregory Sharp versus Davey Richards, American Wolf, as you know, uh, former tag team partner at Eddie Edwards in the TNA days. That was match of the night, and uh, that might be my favorite match of the weekend of the indie shows. That was awesome. I knew favorite match overall, and ended in a draw, and it was just fire. And Gregory Sharp, that's got to look out for. That's got to recommend. I'm not sure his age, or I probably would have put him on Young Stud Spotlight like forever ago. But um, I think he's over over 30. But he's definitely got to look out for, dude. He's got a good look and really good character work. He's like the intense, crazy heel that's extremely violent and just he's the man. So yeah, that that kicked off the indie shows, and then Friday went into town, went into Silver Nugget, where um, FSW faced Wrestling Revolver. And that was a great show, and I got through a little early and for a little meet and greet. And Sam McCann, Callahan, the owner of Wrestling Father, was there, and he's just sitting down like the front row, so like, people aren't following him there. And I'm just sitting there. I want to secure it, my uh, first row, middle, like hard cam spot, because I like I I like the spotlight on me, man. I like the camera. I want to be on Fight TV. So I hear overhear him talking to his uh, ring announcer, and they're going through the card. And luckily, only two matches got run for me. It's the main event of that show and tomorrow Saturday's Wrestling Revolver show, but the two Wrestling Revolver World Title matches. So I knew it was gonna happen, <laughs> but uh, it, it was still awesome. Still great show. And luckily, only one match in each show was uh, ruined for me. It was the main event. <laughs> so on FSW versus Wrestling Revolver, it was Chris Bay, who's representing FSW because he's a Vegas guy, versus JT Dunn, the Wrestling Revolver champ. And that was the main event. Oh, well, no, it was a fatal four-way one. Sorry. It was, so it was Chris Bay, JT Dunn, Rich Swan, who's also Wrestling Revolver, and I want to say Kenny King. Yeah, it was definitely Kenny King. Yeah, Kenny King, also FSW. That was the main event, and Chris Bay won it. And then the next day, he lost it because JT they had a anything goes match. Sam Callen announced that would be the match on Friday. He said, "Oh, tomorrow it's going to be anything goes," because the match was already announced. And uh, JT Dunn won with help from Ali Catch, who joined JT Dunn. And they're, they're like, a, I, don't, I don't know. I want, I think they might be dating in real life, I don't know, but they're dating in Wrestling Revolver and their thing. The unit just added another member in their Midwest uh, chapter. Because uh, JT Dunn didn't have his usual manager or boys back him up. So he needs some help to take care of uh, the Vegas home, uh, home crowd favorite, Chris Bay. And you know, Sim Callen keeps plotting in the reign of JT Dunn. Nothing's nothing's working, man. Nothing's working. JT Town is untouchable. JT Town was also another guy where I'm the only one rooting for him and screaming my head off. So <laughs> on Friday I got massacred when he lost, and then I looked like a genius when he won on, on Saturday and got his title back. And the one day reign, great shows. Uh, Sam Callan does a great job, and I kind of didn't expect him to be like out there with the people. Like uh, the FSW shows, the owners. They usually are the ones that check in for the tickets or like, yeah, check in, selling the tickets at the door, stuff like that. And that doesn't surprise me because, you know, FSW is a little smaller, but Wrestling Revolver is not huge, but like, it's pretty well known. Sam McCallahan's a pretty well known wrestler, but like, I got there on Saturday, who's was there and checking and Sam McCallahan, that's <laughs> a wrestler. And he's like, oh man, oh, you're in the second row. Just make sure to get your handstand. Come in. Thanks for coming, bro. 
and uh, you know, he's really cool, nice dude. He was just walking around all the time. Uh, yeah, and he runs he runs a great show, and he had a lot of great energy too, and really gets the people into it. It was it was a cool run event because like all the wrestlers usually stayed and like were amongst the crowd just watching from the back and could have went up talked to him at any point. It was sick. And I say the Saturday show, the Wrestling Evolver show, one match that really stood out to me. Well, it was two. I say the opener match. It was a scramble match, which is like a Wrestling Evolver like favorites usually have an open up shows. We had eight people. I can't, I'm not going to be able to remember all of them, but uh, Anthony Green was in it, Gringo Loco, great Blake Christian, Bodie Young Prodigy, who just turned 15 two weeks ago, is SW kid. Yeah. Um, the three young wrestlers were uh, at these indie shows, and uh, we'll get to one later in another segment. Uh, it was great. And Gringo Loco. Great, uh, was in the match too. It was great opener, great scramble, a lot of high spots. Even the ref, at one point, they're all flipping the outside like right in front of me, and all eight wrestlers are down the ground. And the ref's like, yo, I want to get in this. He did a suicide dive dive on the wrestlers. Yes, I said that right. The referee did. Uh, it, was, it was a crazy spot. Everyone was going nuts for the ref getting involved too. And uh, Blake Christian won the match. And then the other match from that Saturday show, the first, uh, the Wrestling Revolver show, Josh Alexander versus Mike Bailey. And that was a banger. And Mike Bailey is just incredible. Like, I love his, like, karate style and stuff. It was cool. So I'll just move on. And then next indie show was uh, GCW. And it's, one, it was the most packed of indie shows for good reason. GCW is very popular. Uh, stack card John Morrison was on the card versus George Nella. Matt Cardona was on the card. And uh, Matt, Matt Cardona actually lost his Impact Digital Media Championship to Rich Swan at the Wrestling Revolver show, but that's been backtracking. I just thought that I didn't expect that to happen on the indie show. That's not Impact. So that's cool. But yeah, um, back to GCW. I think Cardona got injured on that show or injured on the weekend because now he's out and uh, he had to cancel a bunch of shows. Can't really think of the specific spot where he would have got hurt, but I mean, it's GCW. They kind of wrestle in all those ways. Maybe like when they're fighting in chairs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, constantly going in the audience. At one point, like I'd like jump out of the way because wrestlers were like, it's like move, 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 and they're like jumping it off like everything. If there's something you could a high spot, like you could climb up to a wrestler, they they went for it. They everywhere. Everywhere they could have climbed up on that show, they did. And the main event was a death match. Um, it was supposed to be Drew Parker and Yamashita, but Drew Parker got hurt on Black Label Pro's show on Friday, which I didn't go to because it was way too late. It was like started at 11 p.m. But um, Drew Parker got hurt in that, so they had to replace him with Cole Radrick, who was on like every show. Um, every he He's one of the workhorses of the weekend. And then he did a death match to end it. What a psycho. And he did a great job, too. Him and Yamashita versus Alex Clone, who did a death match on Saturday night, and he did a hardcore match Saturday afternoon on Wrestling Evolver. <laughs> yeah, another psycho. And then John Murdoch, another champ, also was on the card, and they did a tag team uh, death match, and they did like actual tags, which was like weird to me. And I don't know. I was like, what is it really death match? And then it just the tags just disappeared. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Everyone is extremely into it because, you know, GCW is all about the death matches. I've never seen more light tubes in my life. Uh, glass shattering everywhere. Like, it traveled far, too. Like, at one point, I thought I got some in my eye. <laughs> I didn't. But, uh, you know, it was like some of my feet, and I was like a little ways away. Uh, Yamashita, like, ate light tubes. Yeah, she was like covered in blood and she's shoving in her mouth too. And she like deliberately hurting herself with light tubes to the show how tough she is. And her and Radrick uh, won, which I didn't expect because Murdoch and Clone are like deathmatch kings. So it was a crazy main event. And it was a crazy show. Before I get to Double or Nothing itself, um, and I'll do the fan expo before that really quick. One thing I want to say, Billy Starks on FSW versus Revolver, I meant to say it when I talked about it. She was in the opening match, and it was like an eight-man tag match. She was on Team Revolver, 
and um, at one point she's in the corner and there's a, a, a guy in the crowd eating a jack-in-the-box chicken nuggets and she's like she's constantly talking to the crowd like just chilling during the match she's cool she's funny uh she jumps down grabs a chicken a chicken nugget and just goes to the corner just eating the chicken tender casually uh she's just she was hilarious she was one of my favorite uh people to watch she's the whole weekend she's wicked entertaining now uh, fan fest uh that was sick uh it, it was it was cool like getting me like i got to take a picture with uh jake cargill i got to talk to ty county and sam viral a little bit they weren't like they they didn't do pictures up like when you were in the convention center i saw them just like casually walking around all the booths but they had a meet and greet come up so like you couldn't really take pictures of them they would have just said oh you have to go to meet and greet and do it but like they were talking to people and they were really nice and uh, i got talking a little bit really quickly uh brand color got a meet and greet and he like talked during it too and he was cool yeah, it was, uh, I got to, I ran in randomly to Pete Avalon, um, not even in the convention, like in the middle, like getting food. Also ran into Eddie Kingston and that was sick. Said like, hey man, gave me hey. I saw House of Black walking through the halls all in black suits and like just looking scary as hell. <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was cool. I feel like they can add a little more interactive parts of it, especially since you're paying like so much, like. I wasn't gonna go, and I was like, you know, what? I'll just go. It's something to do. Uh, get free meet and greets involved because they added them a few days before. So I was like, I'll do it. I just won't do a paid meet and greet. You know, I would have got my money back because I was gonna do the Samoa Joe one, and he missed his time. So <laughs> miscommunication. So I guess it doesn't really matter. They had like panels throughout too, and all like interactive things. But I think they could add more like booths and like games and stuff to really keep people more engaged and give them more bang for a buck like the, i went to the nfl draft and theirs was really interactive and lots of things to do throughout the whole day not just watch the draft and that was free so i don't know why aw couldn't have done it <laughs> but you know uh thank tony if you ever hear this you know just time things to consider if you're gonna pay make people pay especially that much just add a few things. Like there was plenty of room that come in all. Like a lot of open space that they could have put things in. So it it was definitely doable. It's not asking for much. Stay off your carny bullshit, Tony Khan. I'll end my little uh, rundown. I don't want to go overboard. I'll end it with double or nothing. At this point, my voice is just gone. <laughs> um, and I'm just tired. But I'm excited for the show. Get there. It's it's a huge it's kind of disordered to get in it's tough it's a huge mob to get in and uh it was like i got there like not really early it was like 4 30. luckily i didn't miss any of the pre-show match which was uh Hochhausen versus um tony niece and mark sterling and you know obviously hook and dan had some of the biggest pops of the night i loved that match too by the way that was really fun yeah it was a fun one it was fun to be there Live and see it too, and then that that not that opened the night, and then well, the main card was Wardlow and MGF. MGF had all this talk of if he's going to show or not and stuff like that, uh, and he did, and it was kind of underwhelming match, especially watching live. But the people loved Wardlow. You can tell the fans really loved it. He really appreciated it, and uh, it was cool getting to see his moment and stuff like that. Yeah, I saw a lot on Twitter and Reddit and other social medias just saying, like, if and when Wardlow does win a world title, it should happen in Vegas because of how hot the crowd was for him, which I could see. Yeah, I think that would be a good move because, like, both the steel cage match on Dynamite and double or nothing match against MJF, he had some of the hottest reactions. Like, people were really popping off for him, and it was a cool moment to see. I just kind of wish it was more of a, a – I'm not saying Wardlow shouldn't have dominated, but I wish it was a little more back and forth. wish kind of Sean Spears got involved, but part of me kind of felt like it was Tony Khan kind of punishing him. I, yeah, I agree. I don't know if it really came across as much in person as it did looking at it on a screen, but MJF just looks like he would rather be any other place in the world than where he was at that point in time. No, I kind of thought that just looking at his face, he didn't seem as into it as 
usually is. Like, he was still antagonizing crowd and stuff and still going through the motions. I don't know. It just felt, it felt different. It, it felt like his expressions were, I don't know. Just, it's not the same. It didn't look joy in his eyes. No. Yeah, something just felt off. But I mean, hey, maybe uh, I, I'm hoping it's still a work. I mean, it, it probably isn't at this point. I feel like it's just too ridiculous at this point for it to not be real. But I don't know. It, it just makes me sad because I know MJF is a great performer. And to say that I also felt a little underwhelmed of a literal, like, since the beginning of AEW storyline blow off. I don't know. Makes me a little sad. But I'm happy that Wardlow got to win and he hit 10 power bombs. That's that's enough for me. Um, and I think it's really funny too. I doubt you saw this in person, but uh, did you see when they were carting away MJF on the gurney? The doctor put the face mask on upside down and it was covering his eyes and his nose and not his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I saw on the screen because I was pretty far up. But yeah, I did see it. I was like, Pointed that out to my dad. He's like, oh, yeah, that's goofy. <laughs> Obviously not a real doctor. I'm like, no. It was so funny, though. Like, it was the first thing I noticed. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm. He's a goofy, but even though that match was underwhelming, um, the rest of the card was pretty, like, solid. It was pretty good. The Jay Cargill match surprised me. Um, it was a little better than I expected. But also, even though all the matches were pretty good, there were a lot of botches and scary moments throughout the show. Like Jade and Anna had a few botches, but weren't scary, thank God. Um, Darby had a scary moment. Uh, I'm glad that we haven't seen any news come out if he's like injured yet, because I really hope he's not. But he like went through the ropes after uh, Darby like hit his head in the ground pretty bad, and that was obviously not like he was supposed to be caught. And then Jungle Boy did like another move through the ropes and co-main and he hit his head on like the ring side not the floor like he obviously was a little short and hit his head and i was like "Ooh, hopefully his like neck's fine and he's okay and he kept wrestling and still doing these spots so i think he's fine too we haven't heard anything but yeah it was it was, it was kind of weird to see these many botches but like luckily the match is still delivered like darby versus kyle was a good really good 10 minute match um, they were they killed each other. I was kind of surprised Kyle got the win. Darby, Darby's not a guy you really see lose that much, uh, especially this many like pay per views in a row. I feel like he keeps getting medals. <laughs> but um, that was good. Tag match was good. I was surprised the uh, Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus retained. I was kind of expecting one of the other two teams, either one. I I was kind of shocked. Were you shocked? Yeah, I would have definitely put it on Swerve and uh, and Keith Lee. That's I, I was going into that match thinking like there's no way they're gonna lose. Even even putting it on Team Taz, I think, is a good idea because both of those guys are pretty hot. I just don't know where they go at this point. Like, I understand they want to establish the you know them as as a big team and Christian cage has helped them all this way and this and that, but like you can only tell the story so many more times of little guy with big tag team partner and their fake dinosaur, fake Tarzan. I do think Christian and Christian and Chen heel sooner or later, there's going to be some type of blow off or I don't know. Something that I expected that to be a double or nothing. Honestly, like I, I thought that that would kind of be a build towards the next big pay-per-view would be like the storyline of like Christian continuously fucking over jungle boy. And then eventually him being like, all right, bro, you want to fight? Let's fucking fight. I'm curious to see where it leads or at least for the tag titles. Um, I just hope that sooner rather than later, Santana would tease like tag champs. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, we can get in a little bit into that match, too. That match was wild and wacky, as I think everybody expected of those five, ten men in that match. Yeah, uh, that was wild. That was probably the hot. Um, everyone's in the Vegas crowd or the people that weekend were super hot for the Anarchy matches, the hardcore matches. If it was the GCW main event, that match, or if it was this Anarchy Arena match, that's the matches that are the hottest for. 
and it was wild, especially the end, like Eddie and Brian like getting into it because Brian's like, "Yo, can you not light light us on fire?" And I'm like, "No, do it." <laughs> it was it was wild, um, and we the whole arena was standing the whole match. I'd like periodically sit down, look at the screen, stand up, and try to find where where they are and see where I'm watching and stuff. Uh, it was all it was all over the place, but it's still really cool. Did they go by you at any point? No, I was way too high up. I'm up the highest part of the arena, so no. Uh, hey man, you never know. With those people, they could have thrown each other off the balcony. That would have been sick. I was kind of hoping they would have, but <laughs> got up that high, not thrown each other off. You know, that'd be sick if they like you know prepared safety measures for that but i feel like that would be a weird show to do it where you also honored owen hart like to take a risk like that would be kind of like fair fair and i guess that also can be a good segue to talk about the two winners of the owen hart i personally think that it was not a good decision i thought adam cole winning was i thought adam cole winning was as well but Britt also winning like I don't know what TK sees in like that couple and like why he wants to stroke them so much, but Brit is already your number one. Like there's no need to establish her as the winner. Like let Ruby win. Like Ruby's whole storyline has been this underdog. Like I'm living in Brit's shadow. Every time I've had an opportunity to get her, I haven't been able to get her. And I think really establishing her as her being Ruby as the you know just as the own heart cut winner from the women's side like i just thought that would have been great but no you can't have adam cole and ruby soho standing on the stage together no juice you gotta have Britt baker and adam cole standing they're they're the hottest wrestling couple in the world right now that isn't sammy guevara and ty conti come on juice you know that yeah they want the heels and also like the crowd was a lot hotter for Britt than ruby which like the the vegas crowd wasn't my favorite to be honest like when they were good, they were good. They were good and they were loud and they were into it. But it's just like rooting for Brett when a heel and like Ruby clearly should have won. Not that like that impact decision, but also like the punk versus hangman match. They were like, I get it's punk. Like they were way too into him and they're like booing hangman. And I'm just, and then they're booing punk too. And I'm like, you can't boo both of them. That makes no sense. Pick one to boo. And it was just, they were all the crowd was all over the place for the main event, but uh, going back, like Ruby definitely should have won. And like even people cheering for Brett, there were two people in front of me, and they both said, you know, I'm glad Brett won, but like she shouldn't have. It should have been Ruby. I'm like, facts. It should have been Ruby. Like she needed to win a lot more. If she had won, I think that puts her in a great spot to go into something with Thunder Rosa or Jade Cargill. And I understand Jade Cargill will probably beat her, which I don't think would be a terrible decision, but at least make her look like she's a strong contender. But, well, I guess um, now that we're on the topic of Jade Cargill again, we also had two debuts during that match. Yeah. You know, Malcolm Bivens is uh, a Stokely Hathaway yep. now. And we had, which I loved. I was like the only one who bought for it. No one cared about it except me. Um, but yeah that was that one and ember ember like athena i expected more reaction it was a reaction it was a pop it was just more like and there was like people near me being like oh she's overrated i'm like she's not she's underrated if anything but even if you don't like her she doesn't get rated that highly no she's never really had the opportunity to let her stock shine and when she did she just got murdered by oscar yeah but um i like this debut in this way like at first i thought oh maybe Chris is probably going to be the one to finally throw Jade, but I'm hoping it's Athena. And I think that might be where they're going. I really hope it is. And this is cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to this feud. I actually really like the baddies. I think that's a good, like, one in faction. I mean, is it Tony Khan copying Toxic Attraction? Attraction? 100%. 100%. It's just the same exact faction. <laughs> like, it's the same gimmick. Your bad ladies are hot. They have a mouthpiece, but they have a mouthpiece. Yeah, they have two mouthpieces. I guess. Technically, yeah. Now they do. Yeah. Freaking, I do want Hathaway versus Mark Sterling. Give it to me. Because they can both wrestle, dude. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Winner gets the manager, Jade. <laughs> gets the manager, the baddies. 
and and one last match I want to talk about before we dive a little bit deeper into the actual world title change itself. The trios tag match, House of Black versus Death Triangle. Give me trios titles, Tony. Come on. How strong is your trios division right now? Realistically, like think about it. How strong could the trios division be if they really wanted it to be? I think that match proved it. It's definitely coming. That's definitely like that. I think the purpose match was really, match was really getting that division off the ground, as well as finally uh, turning Julia Hart into one of the House of Black members. But um, yeah, that was a great match. The fans were that was, I would say before before the Anarchy Arena match. That was the match that the hottest for, and it was. A blast. It was a blast. A lot, a lot of high spots. At first, I wasn't really into it because I haven't really been that into Malachi or the House of Black. I kind of think they just, you know, it's dark, dark light. They show up, they sit cross-legged, and they disappear and don't do anything. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> you know me. I'll eat that shit up. I love characters like that. I know you do, and a lot of the, the Vegas crowd digged it, too. They were wicked into the House of Black. It was a great match. They're great wrestlers. I hope they really step up the game and will do more to really get me into it. Sometimes those characters, like Undertaker, obviously did it for me. But like there was more to Undertaker than just that. While they're just that, that's all they are. It's just the turn, <laughs> lighting changes, and that's it. They're mean guys. The house always I'm wins. They're not mean. <laughs> house always wins. Juice. The house always wins. Except with me. Do you do any gambling during your time, Claire? Uh, I didn't. Uh, I was actually kind of planned to because I kind of wanted to go to casinos and like go to Mandalay Bay and see if like I don't know, just like, try to see if like a wrestler would just come to my table. But I just never had like really the time to. So I didn't. Could have probably seen John Silver. I would imagine. I saw him. He posted something over the weekend. Of like meeting like Chingy or something like that. <laughs> like, I don't remember which like old school hip hop artist it was, but he literally was like looking through my phone this morning and casually met Chingy at the at the casino last night. <laughs> it was just like a picture of him pointing at him, and John just had the big shit eating grin on his face. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, that would have been fun. Let's get into something that. I think a lot of people have a very strong opinion about, and that is the main event from Double or Nothing, and CM Punk is now our AEW world champion. Thoughts? That was the wrong move. I don't think Punk is the guy who needs the title to be a big star. I think the only way I'd really like this, which I think actually might happen, is if this leads to Joe versus Punk, but Joe actually wins. Because Joe deserves a world title more than any human on the earth. Man. Like, it's overdue. A world title on a televised company. He deserves it more than Punk. He deserves it more than Ed Danielson. More than anyone. Anyone. That, that's my opinion. It's opinion of a lot of fans. And I think people would be really hot for it. For me, it's, it's like I could see it being Joe or Eddie Kingston. Fans are hot for Eddie, and I... I, I can see that too, but I think Eddie's got more time to do it. And Joe, injury prone and getting older in his years, like it has to be within the year, I think. I think you can't wait. You can't wait on Joe or it's never going to happen. Well, Eddie, I think it can happen. Dude's resilient, doesn't get hurt as much because the dude's like made of iron. The, the crowd will always love both. So that the reaction is that that won't change for either. But um, I think. I can't see anyone better to take the title off Punk than Joe. I, I just think it would be it's a dream matchup. It's one of the ones that people want to invoke them for AEW. People are asking for it. Joe just took a big loss, so you really got to get him back on track. Especially if he ends up losing his Ring of Honor TV Championship to Jay Lethal. So I think it's important to it's extremely important to get him the win. And that's just my opinion on that. Uh, also, it's just I don't like 
babyface punk kind of seemed like the hinting towards he's not gonna be a babyface juice you, you can't it think looked, that he's gonna they be they made one. it page look like the heel and then he like almost hit him with a belt well page page looks like the heel because that's what cm punk has been trying to play into the insecurities that adam page has about himself that he needs to go into that playbook to beat cm punk when realistically he has beaten the likes of kenny omega brian danielson without any shenanigans yeah, well, I mean, he lost. So I think he's going to turn heel and join the elite again. And I just... I also, no AEW champion has ever gotten a rematch and really gotten back to the main event scene. So I don't really see what you do with Hangman if he stays face. And if he stays heel, he's just a member of the elite. So I think this is killing one of your top new stars. See, I, I agree with you to a point of what do you do with Paige now? And I don't, I honestly really haven't been thinking about him joining back with the elite. I think that that is a good story to tell for sure. One thing I was thinking about is you just really play into him getting drowned in his sorrows again, being the, the anxious cowboy and kind of just having to like re refine himself almost, you know, now he is back to the bottom of the car. Now he is back to somebody who has to fight and fight and climb through the ratings to, get back to where he once was something that he held for so long and you know i could see that leading into some maybe some blow-off stuff with the dark order and you can kind of have a dark order versus elite feud um and kind of in the sense more of now page is part of the elite so i i think that that actually is really good but i still don't think punk is going to come out of this as a face because think about it eddie kingston's told us page has told us mjf has told us they're saving AEW from CM Punk because CM Punk just grabs a world title, doesn't let it go, and then blames the fans when things start going wrong because that is the CM Punk formula and it's worked for so long. Think about it. Straight Edge Society, leader of Nexus, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, both of the Summer of Punks that have already happened, one and two that's what happened punk punk goes to a company takes it over runs it ramp shot and then blames the fans when they start turning on him because they're not that they're getting bored of him but just more of now punk has just been around for so long and he just continues to win and dominates and they were so behind him in the beginning and now they now they're not you know now he's just going to hold the title uh as a hostage you know just i will continue to defend and win this title to much to the fans chagrin I don't care what you think about me. I will continue to win and defend the side. So I don't see any way of Punk coming out of this as a face because I, I don't know what heel opponents he can really be fighting right now. That's the other thing too. Because you could get Eddie. Eddie is kind of a tweener, so you could, he could play the heel if you want him to be, but you're not going to get him booed. And other than that, I, I really don't know. Like Wardlow, but Wardlow, and, and Wardlow destroy, Joe can play heel. We all know that. And yeah, but the fans aren't going to boo Joe either. Though. That's the thing. I, I think it. Yeah, but people thought that about Hangman that he wouldn't get booed. But he got a lot more booed because he's facing Punk. Like the crowd's always going to be mixed against with Punk, and it's it can be mixed with Joe as well. If you're facing Punk, I, I think it's mixed. And I think you can work with that and you can turn him heel if it's mixed because whoever Punk faces, it's going to be mixed. Even if it's Eddie, it's always got so much support. Yeah, I just, I know this is going to be Summer of Punk 3 and I'm excited for it because I'm, I'm a Punk guy. I'm not sitting here acting like I hate CM Punk because I do truly love CM Punk. But I... I just think it's silly to think that he's not going to be a, not at least turn heel at some point during the summer. He might start out as a face, but he's not ending this championship reign well, as a face. I think that's just my point that he's a face right now. He's going to be face for at least a couple months. I'd say a single month at most. He'll probably get one heel opponent and then I don't know what storyline they'd run, but He's going to have to start fighting face opponents at some point. I don't think there's too many on the roster that are in the rankings to to really have a good story with CM Punk. Oh, I don't think there's really that many faces on the roster that are really true upper cards. 
Besides Wardlow. Fair, I guess. I mean, you could always have him just run through Backpool Combat Club, too, if you really wanted to. But, but one thing I also saw about just talking about people who have held the AEW World Championship is the list of people that have held the AEW World Championship and how AEW has done a really good job at making established stars their world champion. I know you're in the thought of CM Punk doesn't need the title, but it's more of the title needs CM Punk, in my opinion. Same way how Jericho won it for the first time. You know, everybody would have liked to see Hangman win it, you know, have the first person to hold it be a AEW grown talent. I'm putting that in air quotes because obviously Adam Page should not just show up on AEW television one day and become Adam Page. But, you know, I, I think that it just really helps legitimize the title and legitimize AEW as a company because a lot of people stopped watching WWE in that 2011-2013 era, and that is when CM Punk left the company. So for a lot of people, people who might be getting back into wrestling or just starting to hear about AEW, seeing CM Punk as the world champion and then looking back and seeing guys like Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, John Moxley holding that title, you know, like that's, that's a pretty who's who of people that have held the title. And most of them have been world champions in other promotions too. I think Paige is the only one that hasn't been. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Al's just always been on board of building these stars and really trying to up their ante and just, I think, a good notch and really upping the prestige of Hangman and is him if he overcame Punk. He overcame industry legend like a guy that dropped. But he's already overcame Omega and Danielson. He has he done that. overcome Danielson. They, they tied. They, they, they he survived Danielson. He survived Danielson, though. He survived, and Danielson lost interest. <laughs> Still, like, he has, I think, personally, and, and you can hate this opinion if you want it to, personally, I think beating Kenny Omega is a way bigger deal. Winning the title off of Kenny Omega is more important than a championship victory, def- defense victory over CM Punk. I think the way to build it, it's it's, a, it's easy to think that way, but let, let's be real. A lot of people didn't know the fuck Kenny was when, when AEW started. Like, yeah, obviously, AEW has a lot of indie fans, but like a lot of people at the WWE product that were interested in Oh, what's what's up with this AEW thing? Chris Jericho's there. Uh, who the fuck's Kenny Omega? I'll I'll be honest. I heard of Kenny Omega, but that wasn't the guy I was that familiar with. So, I mean, the way they presented him definitely was as a main event, big focal point of the show player. And they did a great job at making his reign feel important, at least to me. Some that. Some people can argue over that, but I think they did. And it was a big win, Hangman beating him. But I thought it was more of a big win, not because of Hangman being a big star, but because of the past between the two and the Elite and the World Club and all that history. And less of Hangman being a big star, but Hangman being someone who's so involved in his upbringing as a wrestler and and his upbringing in AEW. It's the guy won his first title with and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I still think that Paige, you know, is is there room to grow for sure. I mean, I he's still very young and still has plenty to to give to this wrestling industry. And I I'm not sad that CM Punk won. I I also don't think it was the wrong choice, but. I just am more curious what happens to Hangman now than anything else because he has beaten these legit established stars. He was a good defending champion. He had a lot of hard-fought defenses again against the likes of uh, Archer and and Adam Cole too. Like you know, those are ones that you can't forget about. And I don't know. I I think that overall the championship reign was great. It definitely was a good way to show a again quote-unquote AEW homegrown talent somebody that's been on the tv since day one as a way of saying like here is a mix of guys that we've grown into stars 
amongst the who's who in the wrestling world overall, you know, at any point in history. That's all good points. And um, I think we should probably change gears now. Yes. And I kind of like what I was saying, even though Adam, uh, Adam Page is not on the young stud spotlight, does not qualify for it. I think AEW is still doing good with building their young studs and studettes. So I know what yours isn't going to be an AEW person, but let's get into the young stud spotlight. Where superstars under the age of 29 shine. So I guess I'll go first with mine. I kind of am cheating and have two people in mind, but mainly because of how their presentation on AEW has been. And that is Darius and Dante Martin, two amazing young athletes, two guys that I think are on the cusp of superstar are of superstardom. Uh, I think it is unfortunate that Darius does seem to be the one of the two that gets injured a lot. So you don't see them as a tag team as often, but when they do tag together, they are amazing. And I think that Dante Martin has also done very well in his singles opportunities that he's had throughout his brother being injured. And I think that these are two guys that AEW are definitely going to keep in their back pocket for a very long time. Two guys who will continue to just gather wins here and there, maybe become part of a bigger faction, maybe become part of a bigger storyline and just really knock it all out of the park. Yeah, uh, they're promising young team. I really hope that Darius wants to come back and uh, stay healthy at least for a while and uh, really climb up the rankings, get them in tag team title feuds and start developing developing them. Dante's great. He keeps getting better every time I see him. He's about to have his first uh, team. Well, he's about to have a TNT title opportunity in Scorpio. That was kind of one of the things um, announced at uh, Double or Nothing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good young team. I mean, I'm not the biggest in the Flippy Boys, but they're a fun team to watch. And Dante can do a little more than those game keeps that into his game. And they do have really good charisma, especially Darius. From what little I've seen him, he's got really good energy, and I really want to see more from him. Not just in the tag team top flight, but just solos too. I think Darius might be better than his brother, but we don't really know. Or I don't really know. <laughs> oh. About to see some brother versus brother, I guess, then. I mean, eventually it's going to happen like it always happens. <laughs> That's true. Even FTR have fought in each other. I think that it can happen to anybody. Yeah. All right. So let's get into yours. Um, this is somebody that I've never heard of, and I know is somebody that you have seen over your Double or Nothing weekend. So take it away. Uh, mine is Billy Starks. And Billy Starks is uh, one of the most talked about, like, young wrestlers out there. She's only 16, and she, like, travels all over the place. She's not just wrestling, like, the West Coast, but, the Midwest. Uh, she's she showed up at uh, Women's Wrestling Revolution. Well, no, she showed up Beyond Wrestling just a couple months ago, not too long ago, and she had a match against Kimberly. Yeah, and that was really good. And she's extremely talented. She has charisma on top of charisma, which I just love. She's really like bubbly and energetic, but she can play like heel. She got a little edge to her, like. Uh, one the match of hers that really impressed me most just the weekend that just happened was um GCW and it was S second gear crew, uh, three males versus Sandra Moon, Billy Starks, and Ali Catch, the catch crew. And uh team the cat Ali Catch's team won and they got beat up hit the cheers in the face constantly. Billy Starks is tough as nails. She is fearless. So Sandra Moon and Allie Catch, but Allie Catch, a lot of people already know that. Um, and then Sandra Moon's another young one that I'll probably, hence, I'll probably bring her up in the future stud spotlight as well. And she's actually someone I kind of wanted to try to get them podcast. But same thing with Billy, too. Billy, yeah, she's fun. She's got a cool, like, gimmick. She's a Space Jesus is a wacky name. <laughs> a wacky nickname. 
yeah. say space Jesus? Yeah, space Jesus. All right, I can get behind that. She's crazy. If she's ever on a, she'll definitely be in a show in New England at some point. Uh, probably like Beyond or Woman's Wrestling Revolution, like sooner rather than later. And if you see her in the card, I definitely recommend like, um, go check it out if you have the chance because uh, she's really good. Just look up her matches. Uh, great, great. Like she's a good wrestler. I mean, does she still have ways to grow? Yeah, she's only sixteen, but I think say sixteen. Yeah. She might be 17, but she, yeah, she's 16. She's 16, 17. All these Vegas promotions with these young, young studs. Yeah, well, she's not even like a Vegas person. She's from um, Indiana. She's from Indiana. That is Midwest. Yeah, she's a, like mainly like wrestling revolver. She appears at and kind of shows along that area. Definitely. Um, and she's just fun. She's a bubbly person. She seems really nice. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I said, like, she just freaking went out in the crowd and eat chicken nuggets. She connects with the crowd all the time. I think she can do either character. Uh, she's got promising future. And this is a lot of, like, promising, like, high schoolers that are pretty big. Like, I brought up Nick Wayne in the past that he's in high school and he has the youngest AW contract sign. He's, he's incredible. And Billy Stark, I brought a little kid from Vegas promotion, who is from Vegas, uh, young pro, uh, Bodie, young prodigy. You know, all these little kids wrestling, but uh, yeah, Billy's the real deal. Billy and uh, Bodie, young prodigy guy, do it. That's <laughs> kind of funny during the shows. And uh, yeah, that's my young step. And she, she's quickly won me over as a fan. Well, if she comes on the podcast, I'm excited to talk to her and also excited to just learn more about her as a performer. So that, I guess, leads us into our final topic of this podcast. And this is something that I actually haven't heard any news on myself. So Juice, the newsman, I'll let you take it away on this one. Okay, so uh, last week, so WWE was, it's July 2nd, which is the same night as UFC 276 which is the headline show of um, International Fight Week. They have like a whole like fan convention thing that day, a bunch of stuff from events lined up the whole week for the UFC. Vegas is UFC territory. This is the international fight capital of the world. And WWE Money in the Bank is July 2nd, same night, a few hours before. And it was supposed to be Allegiant Stadium, but they changed the venue last week. They changed it to MGM Grand. They refunded everyone their tickets, uh, the pre-sale. For the people who had tickets goes on tomorrow. So I'm gonna try to re-up my tickets because I did have tickets to Legion Stadium. But the reason for moving is hasn't been confirmed, but I think it's pretty obvious that it's true that it's because they weren't selling it out enough because the UFC the UFC Visa music stuff and it. People like if it's real fights or fake fights or scripted fights. I know wrestling fans don't like the fake word and I don't either. Also, your scripted fights. Um, people like fighting, dude. So there's a lot of crossover in the fans. So I, I can't, I can't understand why WWE thought it was a good idea to go head and head. And they definitely knew UFC had it. You, you always, when you're playing an event, you look up what's that weekend. And UFC announced it. I'm pretty sure before, way before the date of UFC 276. So WWE had the information money the was planned in, or they could have moved it earlier when they did find out so it's just a question of love i don't like when they change venues it should have changed dates too even if it was just a day later i don't think you'll see doing anything sunday and even if it was just some like fan thing during the day so you're not it's not a big event and yeah it's a couple maybe they thought the times because a few hours before they wouldn't interfere. UFC's a little more expensive, but maybe thought, oh, it's usually more expensive. But I was looking at some of the tickets for UFC to 276. They're actually cheaper than Money in the Bank. Not that Money in the Bank's like crazy expensive. It's, it's fine. Standard prices, but uh, it's just a wild decision. And they had the chance last week when they moved venues to MGM Grand Arena to also change dates, and they didn't. 
So I, I'm curious to see what their pay, their premium live event numbers do. That it's a fucking pay per view. I I just think that Pat McAfee does it best when he just like overemphasizes it and like obviously makes acknowledgement of how silly it is to just not call them pay per views. Like <laughs> premium live event, Billy. PLL. <laughs> a pull but yeah that i i think it's obviously because they did not sell well like i i just think it's undeniable almost at this point and i actually didn't know that it was going against the ufc who was going to be in vegas on the same week slash day like that's also ufc's biggest show of the year right like not card wise just like you know it's yeah international fight week in the mm-hmm. capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, I, I follow UFC loosely. I probably will be watching this weekend, and it's probably the first time I've watched anything in like a few weeks. But anyway, I, I didn't know that that was going on. It's, it's silly to me because, like, historically, like WWE and UFC haven't had like a like a horrible relationship. If anything, they've had a pretty decent relationship, you know, kind of staying out of each other's way. But I don't know, Vinny Mac, that might not be a good choice. No, and Tony Khan even called him out because Tony Khan is good buddies with Dana White. And uh, there, I guess, Tony Khan, like, said his call on his Twitter is like a genius move going ahead of UFC during the international fight week. I'm like, Tony, what? You have to really, like, talk shit to them every chance you get. Like, Vince doesn't give a shit about you, dude. He's just like, yo. Probably doesn't even know who he is, honestly. Like, there's no way Vince McMahon could identify Tony Khan out of a lineup of, like, five dudes who could fit the bill of a wrestling promoter. Yeah, probably when they talk about it, they're like, they'll bring it up. He's like, who? They're like, Shahid Khan. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, wh- wh- why does he matter? He owns AEW. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His daddy bought him a company. And then he turns to Nick Khan and is like, Nick, is this guy in your family? No, sir, he's not. All right. But good. I don't have to fire you. I don't have to worry about you being a, w, uh, a WCW agent. Exactly how it goes down. It always comes back to WCW. No matter what company it is, it's WCW to Vince McMahon. TNA, if it's AW, if it's actually WCW, it's WCW. They're all WCW. That's just silly, though. Like that, that is just truly a silly thing. And I'm a little shocked hearing that now. I, I knew that they changed the venue. I just assumed it was because it wasn't selling well because it wasn't selling well. But I think that definitely answers why it wasn't selling well a little bit more. So Because, I mean, they were able to sell it out really well last in SummerSlam. So, you know, people love money in the bank. So... Yeah, and I know I know uh, Survivor Series is coming to Boston in November, and I will likely be going to that since we got gypped at a SummerSlam two years ago, which I'm still extremely salty about. But um, that's just the pandemic. Pandemic ruined a lot of things for a lot of people. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't know if those tickets have even gone on sale yet but I'm not too pressed to buy them like during the pre-sale or anything like that. Even though I do have like notifications and signups for when WWE events come to Boston to get notification on stuff like that. But I don't know if I'm going to be really clamoring depending on how the summer goes is probably how I'll make my decision on actually going to Survivor Series or not. I think for shows like that, sometimes like if I can get to it the same day, I even did buy them a day before the day up. Cause that's when like, for any sports, they're always the cheapest. Like double or nothing. I could have got if I just bought the day up, like but I, I knew I was gonna do the whole weekend, like go fan fest and stuff like that. But like and that if I'm doing all that stuff, I'll do it earlier. And like so SummerSlam, that was my motivation when we were supposed to go too, because we were going all four days. I was gonna do the fan WrestleMania uh, the fan access thing and stuff like that. But like Survivor Series, like maybe like by day of, and like Money in the Bank. I don't know. I was, I was originally gone that day of, and my dad like was gone with me too, so I'll, I'll do it before. And then I'm not expensive, but 
Yeah, you could probably get tickets just day of or day before. Pretty cheap if you really wanted to. Fair enough. Might just do that then. I don't know if anybody's going to be coming with me. I'm sure I probably can get a little crew going, but um, if not, I'll probably just go myself and take the train because that's one of the nice things about Boston. You can train in from almost anywhere in Massachusetts. Yeah. All right, Juice. Well, as we come wrapping up on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. And if anybody has any opinions on me thinking that CM Punk winning was a good choice and you think it was a bad choice or what they think about WWE going head to head against UFC during international fight week in Vegas, or if you have any young stud spotlight suggestions, where can the people tell us? On Twitter, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. Instagram, T-O-T-C underscore P-O-D, all lowercase. And that's our socials. The, you know, do what Billy just said, man. You listening? You gotta listen. Do it. Yes. And if you listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you, specifically you, the person listening to this podcast, need to give us a five-star review because if you don't, you will not get five-star content. And that is just a fact. Fact. And as we come crashing down to the mat on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And we hope to catch you next time.